Hey, it's Ben. Thank you for listening to the Upgraded Executive Podcast. We are bringing you insights from experts around the world so you can improve your personal and professional performance. Welcome to episode 22, Enhance Everything, Red Light Therapy. In this episode, Nick and Ben are talking with Scott Nelson, who is a co-founder for Juve, the first company to develop a modular full-body light therapy device. In this episode, we do a deep dive into red light therapy, discussing what it is, how it works and the benefits. Please like and subscribe on YouTube, iTunes or SoundCloud and visit www.upgradedexecutive.com forward slash subscribe and we will send you a special link so you can access the videos one week before we officially release them. So welcome Scott Nelson to the Upgraded Executive podcast. Thanks for having me on, guys. So, Scott, um, I've been familiar with Juve now for some time. Could you give the audience a little bit about your background and how you came to be a co-founder of Juve? At Juve, we, we manufacture uh, red light therapy devices. Our claim to fame, so to speak, is full-body applications, so full-body products. Uh, we sell them direct-to-consumer online through our e-commerce store. Before I go into my background specifically, I think we launched our first device in February of 2016. So we're recording this in, in late 2019, the calendar year. And uh, so it's been, you know, almost, uh, gosh, almost, almost four years since we launched our first product. And it's been kind of a, a wild ride. But before Juve, I've actually spent most of my professional career, almost all of it really, in the traditional med tech space. And that's actually where we started the companies in Minneapolis, which is kind of the Silicon Valley of, uh, of the medical device arena. And really more specifically, my wheelhouse before Juve was really the cardiovascular space. So commercializing products like arterial balloons and stents and thrombectomy catheters. So um, although Juve is technically kind of a med tech company, I really didn't have any sort of formative experience in kind of the light therapy arena before Juve. So why Juve and why red light therapy? There's certainly some, some overlap and some parallel uh, with my professional experience in the med tech arena. But really the, the origin story of Juve is it's quite interesting and probably not too dissimilar to most startup stories in that um, and this dates back to early 2015. We were in, uh, like I mentioned, Minneapolis, Minnesota, which gets very dark and very cold uh, during the winter months. And so my, my wife and her sister purchased red light therapy uh, treatments or a red light therapy package um, at a local spa in Minneapolis. And they went consistently to this location, uh, this commercial facility for eight to 10 weeks, maybe four or five times a week. So, so um, they went a lot. That's, that's kind of, that's an understatement. But having said that, they not only really felt good after each treatment, but they saw noticeable benefits when it comes to their health, primarily uh, related to uh, skin health, you know, reduction of, of age spots, wrinkles, stretch marks from pregnancies, et cetera. And so they, they were really interested in the therapy and at the time, the only products available for home use, right? Because they didn't want to keep going to this facility um, that often. It gets, it's not overly budget friendly and it's, it's not convenient to say the least. And so they were looking for products in, they could primarily use in home that were, that were big, that were bigger, that were full, full body applications. And at the, at the time, there really wasn't anything available. As a, as a consumer, uh, if you were looking to purchase a red light therapy product at the time, you were really relegated to you know, smaller handheld devices. Most of them were underpowered. And so there really wasn't, the product offering really wasn't there. And so they were, they were kind of looking for, that's kind of where the, 
the idea or the concept sort of started, you know, me personally, I was super skeptical about the therapy up front. I was very cynical. I thought it was woo-woo science, but my, my wife and her sister were pretty convinced. And so um, I, I spent a little time, a little bit of time doing some research on PubMed just to try to uncover what, what the science really does say about uh, this particular therapy, expecting that the results would be pretty limited because there really wasn't a lot of information that was readily available online about red light therapy or in the world of academia, it's referred to as photobiomodulation. And so I went knee deep into PubMed and uh, was very quickly blown away by the sheer amount of science that supports the therapy. And so, so really, I mean, I guess to, to sum up sort of our origin story, it was a combination of my wife and her sister being pretty, pretty interested in the treatments. The, the, the product landscape was pretty limited. And there, was, there wasn't really any, this, although the science was there, there really wasn't anyone talking about this online. And so, you know, you, you put all three of those sort of pillars in place and it seemed like, hey, maybe there's a business here. And so that's what sort of got us off to the races in, in 2015 before we ended up launching our first product in early 2016. That's awesome. For the people in the audience that don't know what red light therapy is, could you give them a quick overview of what it is and how it works? Yeah, I would consider it kind of a natural health or alternative health treatment. Our, our core customer base are consists of people that our core avatars would be people that are looking to either optimize their health or treat a certain condition in the most natural way possible. And red light therapy kind of fits under that, under that umbrella or that category. And really the treatment is quite simple. It's just a matter of standing or sitting in front of a, a device that delivers red and near infrared wavelengths of light. And light is one of these, um, although it sounds sort of contrarian, light is one of these underappreciated aspects to our overall health. And uh, I'm sure we'll get into this conversation in more detail. Most people are familiar with the role that macronutrients and diet plays in, in, in terms of our overall health and fitness and training and sleep. And, and there's, there's definitely certainly more awareness around the importance of sleep for overall function, not just, not just executive function, but light and the type of light that we're exposed to on a consistent basis really does matter. And that's one of the things that we're trying in terms of market development as a business, we're trying to raise more awareness for that concept that light is very, very uh, crucial for overall health and uh, overall health optimization and performance. I agree. And I think the importance of sunlight is something that's like massively underestimated. And I think that particularly, you know, many of us don't get outside enough because we have desk jobs and we're in offices. How does red light play into the total spectrum of light? Could you just give the audience um, a view on the, the full spectrum of light and where red light sits and why it's so important? It's actually, it's very, very broad. And red light therapy actually falls within a very narrow range in that broader spectrum. And so these specific wavelengths that, that kind of fall within this, 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 this topic of red light therapy are between 600 and about 1,000 nanometers. And so it's actually very, very narrow, a very, very narrow aspect of that full spectrum of, of wavelengths that I mentioned. And that's that very narrow window, which is often called the optical window or the therapeutic window, has been proven in hundreds, if arguably thousands of published clinical data to be very favorable in terms of optimizing our bodies to produce or helping our bodies to produce more cellular energy. And so these wavelengths, the wavelengths of light that fall within that very narrow window have a unique ability to not only penetrate through our tissues, but, but help, our, help the mitochondria in our cells produce more ATP energy. What's the difference, Scott, between red light therapy and an infrared sauna. If we use that food example, right, the, the carbohydrate example that I just gave you guys, the reality is our, our, our bodies respond physiologically 
to different wavelengths of light, similar to they would a high glycemic carbohydrate versus a low glycemic carbohydrate. So infrared light in general is actually that, that spectrum of light, infrared light is actually very, very broad. And so you have wavelengths that fall within the infrared A or near infrared range. Then you have mid and far infrared and mid and far infrared wavelengths of light those are the ones that are often found in an infrared or dry sauna. And those are great at producing heat in our body. So they're, they're great for the purposes of, of, of sauna therapy, but they induce a different near infrared light, which is uh, infrared A wavelengths of light induce a different physiological response. They actually help our, the mitochondria in our cells uh, produce more, more energy. And so the, I think the important point to understand here is that just like food, and our body responds to food in different, in different ways. Our bodies respond to different wavelengths of light. So it's really important to kind of understand when you talk about infrared light, the type of infrared light that's being delivered from a certain device is really, really important. And what if people are thinking, well, if I'm going to put a light source close to my body, is there any risk of cancer or causing any damage to your cells? Because I think that... When, I, when I've spoken to people about red light therapy in the past, that's been their initial response. And I've had to reassure them that, you know, this isn't a damaging light source. It's a very safe light source. What, was, what is your response to people when they raise that concern? Yeah, this is one of the, the therapies that it's, is, is very, very difficult to find any sort of negative side effects from. In fact, you'd be hard-pressed to find, to find any Unless, unless you're, I think that probably the only caveat would be if you're either photosensitive or maybe consuming a medication that causes photosensitivity, that might be the only, you know, potential negative downstream ramification from exposure to red and near infrared light. And it's just, it's just important to remember, these are the same wavelengths of, of light that come from natural, uh, natural sunlight. In fact, these wavelengths of light are most present in the, in the, in the sunrise and sunset. And so it's, it's very, it's very natural. It's, it's a very natural for our bodies to, to be exposed to these types of wavelengths of light. The only, the only thing that I think kind of important to call out is that there is a point where our bodies don't respond to these, these wavelengths of light. Meaning the, this, the best example I'd give you is water consumption. As long as it's a high quality water is a good thing, right? But if you do take that to the extreme levels, there's a cha- there's a, there is a point where too much water consumption can probably be bad, but it's it's on the it's on the very you know ends of that in, ends of that spectrum. The same thing kind of applies to red and near infrared light. There is a point where our bodies don't respond favorably anymore, but it's really really hard to get to that point. In terms of the products that you sell, um, what's recommended? Like how large are they? What's the range in terms of price? And if I were if I'm using your product, like how long? How long do I use it for and what kind of difference would I know and how quick would that happen? The two major gaps in the kind of the product landscape, the therapy product landscape that we identified back in early 2015 were, were size and then power. And the, re- the reason for that is, is two things. One is that if you're using a device that's, that's what we consider underpowered, you just have to use it for a longer period of time to receive a clinically relevant result. And so we, we thought most people don't want to use, have to use something for 30, 40, 50 minutes a day. It just becomes too time consuming. Most people want to you know, do, it, do a treatment in you know, five to 10 minutes and call it good. And so that's one of the things that we try to optimize for is, is power, uh, power uh, output, not power consumption, but power output. And then the other, the other you know, big thing that we try to optimize our, our devices for is, is size. 
And so we are one of our core thesis as a, as a company is that full body light therapy is optimal versus targeted treatments. Targeted treatments can work, but you're just limited to a very small treatment area where our, our thesis was that full body applications um, because of the systemic benefit are better for optimal health. And so with our devices, they're really actually pretty, because of those two things, they're really pretty simple to use. You can start out with a smaller, and our devices are modular in nature. So you can start out with a, a smaller one that, that begins at uh, $695 USD. Um, and because they're modular, you can add on to it over time, kind of like Lego blocks. And so you can build out a full body system over time. And so you can start out with a, a smaller device that's kind of like the size of, um, it's about 16 inches wide by about nine inches. Uh, I'm sorry, 16 inches tall by about nine inches wide. Something, so like a 15 inch MacBook. Think of, think of the footprint of like a 15 inch MacBook. That's probably the best, the best example. That's our smallest, uh, one of our smallest modular devices. And then we have full body systems that are, you know, six feet tall by three feet wide that are, that consist of multiple devices connected together because of that mod, that, that patented modular design. And that, that, those bigger systems around, depending on when, you know, how the, the configuration you opt, you opt for, they're around $6,000 USD. So anything from around, you know, $600 to 6,000 is kind of the, the price range. And the, the biggest difference, the, really the, the only difference between those, those devices is really just the treatment area, right? They all deliver the same type of power and they deliver the same wavelengths of light. It's really just the treatment area. So if you're a health nut and, or a fitness nut and super into this, you know, you may opt to go with the big full body system right, right from the get go. Most people, you know, whether it's for budget reasons or maybe they're skeptical and they just want to try it out, they'll opt for a smaller device, right? And if they like, if they like the therapy, they can add on to it over time through that modular concept. And, and how, long, how long would somebody use it for to get maximum benefit? Yeah, it kind of depends on what your what your goals, what you're trying to solve for from a health perspective. But for general health and wellness, um, we recommend about mm, eight to ten minutes per treatment area. So, it's, as an example, take one of our smaller devices that's the size of that 15 inch MacBook. If I wanted, if I was just into skin health as an example, or maybe even just cognitive function, I was trying to optimize for that. I would just it's it's about it's a little bit bigger than like the size of my face. So I would just you know sit or stand in front of it in front of the device for about eight to 10 minutes. And then that, that's it. And I don't know if you can answer this. So I'm just, I'm just trying to get my head around the before and after how long to get rid of these wrinkles that are appearing on my face <laughs> or the, or the ones that, or the ones that are on my face as I age. Um, right. We all have those. It's, it's funny that we're even talking about this because this is kind of like skin health is one of those areas we don't overly promote. But it's one of the, across the board, it's probably one of the most common things that people report back on is, hey, I bought, you know, a common response is like, I bought this device because, you know, Ben Greenfield, you know, mentioned it for muscle recovery or something like that. But it's like, man, over, I've used it now for a month and people are thinking I'm, I'm doing Botox injections, you know, because my skin looks, you know, more fuller, there's a glow to it, et cetera. And that's kind of one of the nice, the nice sort of, you know, byproducts from using red light therapy is that, you know, typically you're going to, you're going to experience better, better skin. But to your, I guess, to answer your question, skin related benefits typically come with time and consistency. And so, and I think part of the reason is because we look at ourselves every day in the mirror. So it's harder to note all subtle qualitative changes. But most of the clinical literature suggests that you need to be using, you know, the therapy for, you know, three to four weeks before you'll notice significant changes relative to, you know, something like fighting wrinkles, as an example. Two follow-ups up to that. So you mentioned about a glow. Is somebody effectively getting a tan or is that different? How are you defining glow? 
Yeah, no, it's it's definitely different than a tan. So our, our devices do not deliver, you know, UV ultraviolet wavelengths of light. And so, but I think that's interesting that you brought that up because that's a perfect example of our bodies responding to a wavelength of light. In that case, it's, it's ultraviolet light and our bodies then respond in that fashion. But no, the glow is not a tan per se. The glow is probably a little bit more qualitative in nature, but most of the skin related benefits when it comes to like those aesthetic types of changes come from increased collagen levels. So the fibroblasts in our skin, those that are responsible for producing collagen, those fibroblasts are basically working better. They're producing more energy. They're working more efficiently. And so a byproduct of that is increased collagen levels. Final question on that, actually, what I was thinking before when you were saying about energy. So Nick and myself, we covered this in quite a few of the early episodes. We were talking around going outside, getting more vitamin D, getting in the sun, and that has a really positive impact in terms of somebody's energy level and their mood. Mm -hmm. Is there any correlation between using your product and somebody's, I guess, perceived happiness? Definitely. Definitely. In fact, a lot of people have probably that are listening to this have probably heard of like the happy lamps, right? Those lamps that, no, Uh, (laughs) have you guys heard of those? Those happy lamps? Yeah. They're the, they're the, you know, devices that deliver bright white light. And Mm. most of, most people that live in, you know, climates, Northern climates during the winter, will sometimes pick up, you know, a quote unquote happy light. It sort of, it mimics the sun. There's not a lot of good science around that per se, Mm. but to answer your question, yes, there's some really interesting data around qualitative mood changes when being exposed, when exposed to red and near infrared light. And so that's one of those, in fact, there's emerging, there's a lot of emerging research around kind of, you know, seasonal affective disorder, depression, et cetera, and red and near infrared light's ability to, to either reduce symptoms of depression or just help w- help in that category altogether. So, so yeah, that's, that's, one of the, that's, that's definitely one of those kind of emerging kind of research categories with respect to red and near-infrared light. Cool. So, Scott, when I first came across infrared light, I was quite skeptical. And I thought I'd just sort of try it out. So I bought a very basic device to start off with and i've now got a whole body system but some of the things that i found was is that whenever you get some kind of injury to the skin uh, whether it be an insect bite or a graze it seems for me personally to heal about 50 percent faster it's not just me so my sister she gets really bad insect bites whenever she gets bitten she has a really bad reaction and then she ends up on antibiotics and her leg goes like twice as big but whenever she gets bitten now she uses red light therapy and literally she gets a minimal reaction the body seems to repair itself faster and the one thing that shocked me most was my my uncle who was waiting for knee replacement surgery he was on morphine and the pain was still excruciating i bought him a red light therapy device and it really helped with the pain management and that's one aspect of red light therapy that I've not really heard before. There are lots of people talking about the impact it has on your skin and your energy, but the fact that it helped him with his pain management really surprised me. Is that, is that a, a common known thing through red light or could it be placebo? No. And in, in, in fact, I'm sure this is, this might sound a little bit like a late night QVC commercial, but um, <laughs> I, th- <laughs> I think the, the important point to remember here is like all of these benefits that we'll probably get into here, they're all, they're all proven in peer, published peer reviewed clinical literature, I think, which is, which is, uh, you know, really important for anyone that kind of takes a science, science first approach. But those two, those two 
areas that you just mentioned. So skin health, and when I say skin health, I'm kind of looping in recovery, healing, sort of recovering from skin-related injuries. That and, and pain, pain and inflammation, those are two of the three, I would say, biggest benefit categories that have been proven time and time again in hundreds of, cl- of published clinical studies with respect to red and near-infrared light therapy. So there's no doubt anyone who looks into this, this, um, these types of treatments with an objective uh, perspective, they're going to quickly find out that skin health and then pain reduction are two of the biggest benefits that they'll get from consistent use of, of red and near-infrared light therapy. The third one being muscle recovery. So loads and loads of published evidence that suggests faster muscle recovery. And that's why it's really, this type of therapy is really, really picking up speed kind of in the, in the, in the, in the ranks of professional athletics is because of, because of the existing evidence and those N of one types of studies, right? Athletes looking for an edge, they've got, you know, disposable income and they're willing to take kind of take a, uh, or, or run, you know, uh, experiments on themselves. And they quickly understand that, Hey, after this certain workout, I know how my body typically responds and wow, I'm recovering that much faster or I'm feeling that much better, et cetera. And so those, those are three of the, like the, the, the big benefit categories with, with red and near infrared light is, is skin health, recovering from skin related injuries, pain reduction, and then uh, enhanced muscle recovery. And there's, there's a bunch of other kind of emerging benefit categories, you know, that, that we can go into, but those are the definitely the big three. What, what are the other ones just a high level? Yep. So uh, brain health and or cognitive function. So when I say brain health, I know that's kind of vague, but cognitive function, meaning faster reaction times, enhanced learning and memory things like that kind of more, I don't know, executive function related. And then what the other aspect of brain health is really more clinical nature. So taking patients like that are suffering from issues like Alzheimer's and dementia and seeing dramatic improvements in some of the symptoms derived from those, those conditions with the use of red and and near infrared light therapies. How's it affecting the neural network in the, in the brain? There's been a lot more research with respect to cognitive function and brain health over the past uh, three to four years. But actually, the, the neurons in your, in your brain uh, that are responsible for producing new synapses, um, so kind of this aspect of synap- synapsogenesis, I believe, is how you know, most academics refer to it as. Um, but it, those types of cells respond in the same way that other cells throughout our body do, right? The, they have mitochondria uh, that produce more ATP. So those cells that are responsible for creating new synapses, they just function better, you know, when, when exposed to near infrared light, especially because near infrared light has a, has unique ability to penetrate deeper into our body. In fact, it can penetrate through bone. Um, the energy does dissipate as it travels through bone, but I think that's, that's pretty, that's pretty unique. And so that's, that's sort of what's happening is that, you know, that, that same mechanism of action, right? That the mitochondrial response to these wavelengths of light, it holds true with any cell that has the mitochondria. And so even the cells in our brain that are responsible for, you know, creating new synapses. One of the, I guess, funny things around red light therapy that I often see people talking about is people stood there, no clothes on, the junk's out, and they're getting red light, red light therapy. And, you know, I've done it a few times at, at home. And, like, my wife's like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> you stood there. Um, <laughs> Like with no clothes on, in front of a bright red light, and from outside the house, it looks like we're running some kind of brothel because it's like such a bright light. And generally, I'm stood on a vibration plate too, which 
Yeah. <laughs> doesn't make it better. But... <laughs> Nick, for the audience, though, you do have your curtain shut just to go. I do. I do, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any strong science behind using red light, as in full body with no clothes on from a hormone production and a hormone boosting point of view? Yeah, yeah. This topic is super interesting. And I don't want to get too long with my answer. But you, you guys know Ben Greenfield, right? You're familiar with him? Yeah. So so this was our early days at Juve. Um, we had been trying to get him to use our devices for a period of months. And then, I don't know, after the course of maybe six, seven, eight months, he sends me a random video, text me a random video. And he's like, hey, I just posted this on my YouTube channel. And the video was him in like kind of a selfie style video of him, of him saying, Hey guys, this is Ben Greenfield. I'm shining this big, bright red light on my balls right now. And so anyway, I get this kind of random video and I'm like, oh no, like, uh, this is super interesting. He went in a, in, in a completely different direction than what we were kind of talking about, um, talking to him about the, the use cases for red light therapy. But ironically enough, he had been corresponding with Dr. Ali Sovajarbi, who's, I'm not sure if you're familiar with his work. He's in, uh, he's in Finland. And, um, and Ali, he was like, you know, it, there's a, they, they had some back channel conversations. He was like, no, Ben, actually, there's some really interesting, you know, evidence, even dating back to hundreds of years ago, that actually exposing your exposing not only your body, but also more specifically your, you know, your testes, if you're a guy, that that will lead to, you know, increased testosterone production. And Ben was like, you know, Ben, he's like, I'm going to, I'm going to give it a shot. You know, it's, it's not, there's really no downside risk. You know, it's just bright red light. I'm going to give it a shot. And sure enough, like he, he noticed significant changes himself. And then, you know, fast forward, you know, over the course of two to three years, we've got not only a lot of anecdotal evidence from health nuts, right? People like Mike Munsell and Luke Story that did nothing different other than introduce full body light therapy into their daily routine and saw dramatic increases in their testosterone production, you know, through, through uh, pre and post blood work, actually. So this is not just kind of like they feel, they feel better. This is actually through, you know, blood work. And so as a company, we're like, wow, this is really interesting. There's not really a lot of uh, published evidence that suggests this. It's pretty limited right now anyway. And so we're like, we're going to study this in more detail. And, and in fact, we wrapped up a, uh, an early study, relatively small in nature. I think there was a, maybe a total of 30 participants. So not, not terribly small, but um, you know, small in comparison to some, um, where we studied uh, red light therapy in, in both men and women that were on either a standard American diet or a standard American diet, meaning you know, it, it's not the greatest. Yeah. <laughs> right? And those that were on a ketogenic diet, one group or cohort of people were just eating a kind of a normal everyday diet and then introducing red light therapy as the intervention. The other group did keto and then also used red light therapy. The group that ate the, the normal diet in both men and women actually saw really good hormonal responses. In, in women, it was increased progesterone and men, it was increased testosterone. But as you might expect, the, the group that was on the, on the ketogenic diet that also incorporated right therapy saw even exact, even more exaggerated results. And we're talking result of like hundreds, 200% increases in their testosterone if you're a guy. So again, the, the caveat here is that our devices aren't cleared by regulatory bodies for testosterone replacement therapy. This particular study was relatively small, but it, the results were really, really compelling. And so we're actually in the process of, of beginning to study this out in more, in more detail, these hormonal responses in both men and women um, whether they're on, you know, certain diets or not, it's uh, really interesting science. 
we're learning a lot more through a lot of these emerging kind of benefit categories about the different mechanisms of action. And if you, in fact, we just, we just did a, uh, an FAQ kind of write-up piece with Dr. Praveen Arani, who's one of the leading experts in this field on our, on our website. And he clearly, you know, lays out the, the fact that there's kind of two or three kind of emerging mechanisms that, you know, we're just learning about over the past, you know, one to one to two years. And there's a lot of these different mechanisms at play, whether it's your mitochondria producing more energy or whether different cells respond favorably than others, et cetera. It's looking like there's, there's a lot of overlap between, between these two cells. So like they're all, it's sort of like, um, you know, if you're in the world of business and marketing, it's like omni-channel marketing. It's kind of like omni, omni-channel uh, effect, you know, when it comes to, uh, you, you know, certain cellular responses uh, when exposed to red and near infrared light. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool to say the least. Is there a positive link now between red light therapy and either preventing cancer or recovering from cancer? Yeah, there's two pretty large oncology societies here in the U.S. that actually recently, this year, earlier this year, changed their guidelines. They're now recommending the use of photobiomodulation or red and near-infrared light therapy for the prevention of something called oral mucositis, which is um, a, a, a very common side effect to chemo and radiation. And so, um, because the evidence is really, really clear that not only does red and near-infrared light help heal, right, the mucositis or the sores in your mouth, you know, that, that, that are from chemo and radiation, but it, when used consistently, they can actually help prevent it from happening, which I think is probably the more interesting thing, right? How, how are your, your cells are basically functioning so well that your, your immune response is heightened that you actually can prevent uh, things like that from even, even happening. So I think that's really interesting. But the evidence right now suggests it's more on the recovery side of cancer, more so than preventing cancer from happening. But nonetheless, it's really, this is a really interesting category. In fact, um, that researcher, Dr. Praveen Arani, mentioned one of the new mechanisms that, they've, um, that they're proving out right now in his lab at the University of Buffalo is that there's a, there's a, a cell type uh, that's kind of part of our immune system called um, TGF1-beta. And it's a cytokine that's, that plays a big role in our immune, uh, our immune response and that they're noticing a pretty interesting response with that particular cell type, which is leading to increased immune function. Um, and so they've actually studied in their lab an immune response with a healthy cell versus immune response with a cancer cell. And ironically enough, the cancer, the cancer cell, when exposed to red and near-infrared light, actually dies you see autophagy with those types of cells, which is the exact response that we want, right? We want all of us have some, you know, some cancer cells that are living in our bodies right now, and we want those to die off. That's the, one, of the, one of the goals with, um, you know, like fasting as an example, you want to induce autophagy. And so I think it, it, what's, that's really cool. That's a really cool like aspect of light therapy that we're learning more and more about is that you, you actually get the most ideal response. A healthy cell responds very favorably. A dysfunctional cancerous cell actually responds the exact way you want it to, it dies. Awesome. Has anybody tried meditating whilst they're experiencing red light therapy? Yeah, that's actually a, a very, very high percentage of our customer base meditates during their red light therapy treatments. I myself, I do something similar to you, Nick, where I stand in front on a vibration plate you know, nude in front of, in front of a, a big full body device, <laughs> but we actually, yeah, yeah. A lot of our customer surveys of our customers report back in those, in those surveys that, that meditation is actually one of the main practices that they, they do during their, their, uh, light therapy treatments. I'll be, it'd be fascinating to see like an ERG, you know, in terms of before and after, if somebody is, is stressed or they're anxious and the pre and post 
um, coherence with brainwave frequency. We're working with a, a group, but they've actually done live testing, you know, with um, on brainwaves during red light therapy treatments. And you, it's really, really interesting to see the brain activity during a red light therapy treatment. It's pretty, it's pretty profound. One of the things that I haven't done yet that I really want to is, is to start to try and get a correlation between red light exposure at night and my sleep using my aura ring. Because I think that might give me some really quite fascinating insights. I'm I'm particularly sensitive to blue light, so I, I always dim lights at night. Otherwise, my deep sleep is terrible. Are there any correlations between getting better quality sleep and red light? The evidence isn't as robust as some of those other benefits that I that I mentioned, but there's there's certainly some some existing evidence that suggests exposure to red light in the evenings does induce better sleep quality. In fact, there's one I'm thinking about right now, which was uh, where the participants were a group of basketball players um, that used red light in the evenings. And then um, through quantitative analysis, it was demonstrated that their sleep quality was significantly enhanced. And I think I, when you think about kind of light in general, you mentioned, Nick, like I would consider myself pretty sensitive to bright blue light too. And some, you know, there's a lot of times where I'm, I'm having to work late in the evenings, but if I'm not wearing blue light blocking glasses that prevent... Um, uh, or help diminish or reduce the amount of, of blue light exposure. Like I, there's no doubt I, I struggle to fall asleep in the evenings. I'm, I'm that much more stimulated. And that makes sense when you, when you think about the, the signal that blue light has within our, within our brain, you know, during, you know, bright time daylight, you know, I'm out in the sun right now, there's blue light emitting from the sun right now. And that tells that's that's a signal to my brain that I should be wide awake. I should be awake. But once the sun sets, you know, if you, if you kind of think about natural circadian biology and ancestral kind of living, once the sun sets, my body really should begin to kind of be preparing for sleep. And if I'm still being exposed to bright blue light, there's mixed signals going on, right? The bright blue light is saying, hey, Scott, you should be wide awake, you know, and ready to, you know, ready for, ready for work, ready for play, whatever. But if I'm, I don't want that type of signal in the evening when it, you know, I'm an hour or two away from, from um, you know, from going to sleep. The, our modern lifestyles are the exact opposite of how our, our sort of biology has adapted over the years. Where now there's a pretty well-known stat, at least here in America, that we spend 93% of our time indoors. When I first heard that stat, I was like, nah, that seems way too high. But then I started thinking about my sort of my lifestyle. Woke up in the morning, got ready under artificial light. I commuted um, usually during, you know, before the sun had, had commuted to work before the sun rose, I was in an office all day. And then by the time I commuted home, the sun had already set. So it's like, man, I, I might, I might actually be more than 93%, you know, um, under artificial light, we're getting overloaded with bright blue light at the wrong times of day, you know, bright blue lights. Okay. During, you know, in the mornings, um, or during the day to kind of, um, help reset our, our circadian rhythm because it, we should be awake during the day, but at night, standing in front of a, a really bright computer screen or really bright TV that, that's emitting bright blue light that tells our, serves as a mixed signal to our bodies. And that's the, the sad reality is that most, most people are living that type of lifestyle and not, not even aware of it, not even cognizant of it. And they're, you know, they're seeing a negative impact with, with things like sleep. And we all know that sleep is pretty important to overall health. So our modern lifestyles don't allow us really to probably adopt good good techniques when it comes to light exposure. And so I think that's, that's probably the biggest, the biggest, you know, takeaway that I'd probably, you know, I, I'd, I'd love, you know, to leave your audience with is that, you know, just be more cognizant of like, of light, you know, its impact on, on health and, you know, overall function. The term I'm hearing a lot, Scott, is junk light. So, some yeah. people 
loop too much stuff under this topic of, of junk light. The, the core issue with, with quote unquote junk light is really, it really comes down to the wavelengths of light that are delivered. We're exposed to the wrong types of wavelengths of light at the wrong times of day because of you know, our modern lifestyles. So, and, and we just, you know, we just kind of talked about this, that most of us are um, not getting enough healthy wavelengths from, from the sunlight and instead um, sort of chronically exposed to bright white and bright blue light all day, even into the evenings. That's kind of the core issue when it comes to kind of this, this topic of junk light or, or toxic light. The, the source is semi-important, but um, when I say source, I mean whether it's from an incandescent source or whether it's from an LED or whether it's from a fluorescent bulb. That's semi-important, but the big, the big issue is the wavelength, the wavelength of light and how our bodies respond to that particular wavelength of light, because it's really, really important. Everyone listening understands how our bodies respond to ultraviolet light. Our bodies produce more vitamin D. We understand that our bodies respond differently to, to various types of macronutrients, right? Carbohydrates, proteins, fats. The same thing holds true when it comes to light, to wavelengths of light. Our bodies respond differently to various wavelengths of light, <clears throat> some, and, and especially at different times of the day. So just being more aware of that, I think you can help limit kind of your exposure to the to the junk light or the wrong types of wavelengths of light um, during the during certain parts of the day. Is there a correlation between junk light, that frequency and mood? Most people that may have heard of this concept of junk light would say it's blue light. It's all blue light, blue, bright white light and blue light is junk light. Well, that's not necessarily true because there's actually some really strong science that suggests blue light and then bright white light can not only reset your circadian rhythm in the morning, right? But ac it actually can induce better mood. It can actually reduce the symptoms that come from seasonal affective disorder. It can enhance serotonin production. So it can be good. It's just you need to be exposed to that type of light at the right times of day. It's not, I mean, once the, and really just think about the natural sunrise and sunset. Once the sun sets, your body really should be entering a, a phase of the day where you're beginning to prepare for the evening. And if you're exposed to a lot of bright white and bright blue light, once the sun sets, our bodies take that as a signal that we should be wide awake. And so our bodies respond. There's a whole downstream cascade of events that happen from not releasing melatonin, right? Or releasing too much cortisol, et cetera, because that signal, that's a signal to our bodies that it's midday sun, right? We should be wide awake. And so our, our bodies respond in, in that light, <laughs> so, so to speak. But bright white and bright blue light in the, during the day, ideally it's coming from the natural sun, but during the day, it's not necessarily that big of a deal because we should be wide awake, right? We should be, you know, we should be working. We should be functioning. If you can take like a couple, a couple steps in the right direction, it would be try to get more natural sunlight exposure with your clothes off, or at least some portion of your clothes off, right? During, during the day, try to get more of that on a consistent basis. And then the other big takeaway is like, once the sun sets, try to stay away from blue light. Try to try to do that, whether it's blue light blocking glasses or, or using different different types of light in your house, right? Those that are more warmer in nature that kind of mimic the, the natural uh, sunset. Those would be two, like two easy free steps, basically free steps that you can take to help kind of mitigate some of the negative consequences with, uh, you know, that come from, you know, quote unquote, junk light. Scott, how can people find out more about you and Juve? The best place is our website, Nick. It's, uh, it's juve.com. So juve is a, a short for rejuvenate. So it's J-O-O-V-V. -V. So two O's, two V's. Juve.com 
if you're into this, if you're listening to this and you're kind of into the science and you kind of geek out on it, like I do, um, check out the learn page on our site. It's uh, it's chock full of educational articles that are all well sourced, all reviewed by you know uh, MDs, PhDs, etc. That's a great area of our site to check out. If you want to kind of stay more high level and you're like, what is the what's all this about and what are people saying about it? I check out the reviews page of our site. There's over a thousand you know reviews. We public we publish all of them, even the kind of the neg- the negative ones. But you get a sense for like what people are saying in their own words, you know, using this type of therapy on a consistent basis. So those are probably the two areas that I, I direct you to. But yeah, I mean, this of course we'd like to sell light therapy devices to anyone listening. But like the, the big goal here is that if we can just raise more awareness for just light in general, and that it does play a role in our overall health over someone's lifespan, let's say, say 80 years. If you're chronically exposed to the wrong types of wavelengths um, at the wrong times of day and not getting enough natural sunlight over a long period of time at scale, there's very clear evidence that that's not great for overall health. If you can't take some of those easy steps that I mentioned earlier, and if any, or you live in an area that's just where you don't get enough natural sunlight, maybe the next step is to get a light therapy device, right? To invest in one. Their treatments are really easy. You know, eight to 10 minutes a day is really all you need. That would be the, that would be kind of the next step, but just be, being more aware, being more cognizant of just, you know, the, the light exposure that you're dealing with on a, on a consistent basis is probably the most important. Yeah, and I'm sort of sat here under two massive LED lights <laughs> shining at me at eight o'clock at night. Not a good move. <laughs> I, should have, uh, I really should be wearing my blue blocking. Yeah. One last question, Scott, that everybody loves is <laughs> what three tips would you give to any executive who's looking to improve their personal and professional performance? The three, the three tips. So the obvious one would be what we just talked about, right? Be more awareness of, of, of your light exposure, right? That's, that's easy. Tons of science to support increased function, especially executive function when it comes to, um, ex, you know, getting the right types of light during the, during the, uh, uh, the best times of the day. So that'd be one. Number two would be, um, this is something that I'm trying to be much more intentional about is in, with myself anyway, is just be more, more grateful on a consistent basis. As busy executives, I'm sure you guys can can attest to this. It's just, it's it's easy to lose sight of the fact that you know at the end of the day everything goes back in the in the, in the box, so to speak, right? And so just being more grateful for for everything on a consistent basis, I think, is is something that I'm I'm trying to do more of. Third, always be learning, right? ABL. I'm I'm sure that's probably not that's not something overly new concept to your, <laughs> to, to your audience. But uh, I think uh, it's, it's certainly something that's kind of helped me from a professional uh, business standpoint is to, to not, never sort of, you know, settle in, so to speak, but always, uh, always be hungry and always be learning. Wonderful. Thank you, Scott. That was fascinating. Yeah, thanks. I'd like to thank Scott for his time and insights. Do check out Scott on his social channels. As a friendly reminder, visit www.upgradedexecutive.com forward slash subscribe and we will send you a special link so you can access the videos one week before we officially release them. You can follow us on all our social channels at Connect With UE and our website www.upgradedexecutive.com.